Dear congregation, the question for one and all is, how shall we now walk? How shall we encounter and go forward into this world? How shall we live to the glory of God? Tonight, we want to look at that question through the life of a man named Enoch. With God's help, we will look at the three portions of Scripture that we have read to you and take that as our text, Genesis 5, 21 through 24, Jude 14 and 15, and Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. And I will read again now only Genesis 5, verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. With God's help, our theme then is simply Enoch. And we want to look at three thoughts. First, a man who walked with God. Second, a man who witnessed for God. And third, a man who went to God. Enoch, a man who walked with God, who witnessed for God, who went to God. Genesis 5, as we saw last week, congregation, sets before us a bittersweet genealogical record of the time spanning from Adam to Noah. This record is bitter because behind the name of each person, even in the godly line of Seth, we find the words, and he died. And those words have become so accustomed to our ears that we scarcely think about it. We hear again of another death tonight. And we say to ourselves that there's one more member passed away. But can you imagine what it must have been at this time when people habitually lived 800 or 900 years to hear the message and he died. After many generations, people were losing their great, 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 great grandfather. It was a huge event when someone, even the tallest trees in the forest of godly men, would finally be toppled at 900 and some years by the axe of death. But in the midst of this bitter genealogy, there is a sweet note in the record, tucked away regarding the life of a man named Enoch. Behind Enoch's name we do not read, and he died. But we read, God took him. And we are told in Jude, that Enoch is the seventh from Adam. Just as we saw last week, Lamech being the climax of the ungodly seed, so Enoch is a summary, a climax, a concentrated expression of the line of godliness. And God tells us that this man walked with him, and he was not, 
for God took him. Now the phrase walked with God is used only four times in the Bible. Twice of Enoch in Genesis 5, verse 22, and again verse 24. Then the third time is the very next chapter of Noah, 6 verse 9. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And then you read it once more in Malachi 2 verse 6, speaking of the ideal priest, the coming Messiah, he walked with me in peace and equity. Now this phrase to walk with God contains at least three important matters. If we're going to answer the question, what does it mean to walk with God? In the first place, to walk with God means to walk by faith, delighting in the company of God. To walk by faith, delighting in the company of God. You see, when Scripture says that Enoch walked with God, the emphasis is on his activity, his actual walking. And the Spirit is conveying to us that Enoch knew the life of repentance and faith, knew what it means to believe not only in Jesus, but to walk out of that faith, And to walk habitually in that faith and consistently in that faith and persistently in that faith. To have a 300 year walk with God. And so that means that Enoch was familiar with God. By faith he was intimate with God. Hebrews 11 says, by faith he walked a walk that pleased God. A walk of obedience, a walk of progressive intimacy with God. He was a man, one of few on the earth, who walked in unbroken fellowship with the Most High God. And this is a great treasure, congregation. He was a man of whom you could say what Philip Melanchthon said of Martin Luther. With what reverence and with what familiarity did Master Martin pray? He was a man who prayed who talked, who walked consistently with God. He was never weary of God. He was not intimidated by God. But he he came to know, like Abraham, God as his best friend, as his holy friend, as our Father which art in heaven, as we heard in recent weeks. You see, you don't take a 300-year walk with someone whom you disdain or whose company brings you no delight. He was a man who relished God, who was satiated with God, who could not miss God. And that's what we need. We need that post-communion. We need that every day of our lives, you see. Until God becomes our chief delight, we will never walk consistently with Him. Until God becomes something more than a word we hear from the pulpit, or a word that we sing in our homes, or read in our Bibles, until God becomes exquisitely beautiful and attractive, and the number one goal and desire in our lives, we will not walk with God. But in communion, we are encouraged to seek His face. We are encouraged to entrust our souls to Him. 
We are encouraged to fall deeper in love with Him. We are encouraged to seek this grace to walk with God. To do that by fixing ourselves upon His Son and finding all our resources and strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then secondly, to walk with God is to walk by obedience. Being determined to go in the ways of God, in the law of God. Let me repeat that. To walk with God is not only to walk by faith, delighting in God's company, but it is to walk by obedience, being determined to go in the ways of God. See, if you're going to walk with someone a long ways, if you're going to have a long-term vision for your walk, You've got to agree, don't you, about where you're going. God says in Amos 3.3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is obvious. So what Enoch had, and that's what we need, not just after communion, but the whole tenor of our Christian lives, he had a determined, a settled determination to go in the ways of God. God's precepts, God's law, marked out the boundaries of the path in which Enoch held communion with God. That's why in Matthew, in Malachi 2 verse 6, when Malachi speaks of the ideal priest, the coming Messiah, it says of him that he walked with me in uprightness in the paths of my righteous law. You see, to be a Christian isn't simply to live by faith on Jesus. It is that, first and foremost. But that faith also works itself out by obedience. By doing what God would have us to do. And then thirdly, finally, to walk with God means to walk by holiness. Detesting Anything that moves us away from God. It is to walk by holiness, detesting anything that moves us away from God. Would you like to deepen your understanding of Reformed theology? Check out Reform Systematic Theology, Volume 4, Church and Last Things by Dr. Joel Beakey and Paul Smalley. This book will lead you to explore key scripture topics from biblical, doctrinal, experiential, and practical perspectives. Order the culmination of Dr. Beakey's life's work at heritagebooks.org rst4. Now, if you've ever gone for a walk with a little child who's fascinated with every ant and with every flower, you know that such a walk can soon grow tiresome. You can't really converse with a child. The child's interested in everything. The child is all over the place. You can't really walk and share intimately. The child is constantly moving away from you. Well, you see, that's the way some people, even some Christians, Walk with God inconsistently, moving away, flitting away to to some non-essential and flitting away in the other direction to another non-essential. 
But we read of Enoch, he walked with God for 300 years. And surely that implies that he detested anything, no matter how innocent it was of itself, that would draw him away from his companionship with God. He was a real Daniel. You remember Daniel, boys and girls, that he refused to eat of the king's wine and meat, not because there was anything wrong with it in itself, but because it might draw his heart away from communion with God. You see, every enticement to sin is like a fork in the road in our path of walking with God. And to go down the pathway of temptation is to depart from walking with God. In fact, John Owen said it most powerfully. This is a sermon by itself, one sentence. He said, every sin is a fruit of being weary of God. But Enoch had the grace, not that he didn't sin at all, but Enoch had the grace to not become weary with God. He was a man who, when he fell into sin of one kind or another, went right back to God with all his indwelling iniquity. And he could not rest until he was back in that old way of communion with God. He was a man who, when he faced habitually all the temptations, all the forks in the road of the evil society and a malicious devil in his own indwelling sin, which all would seek to devour him, he was a man who with determination walked by grace in the ways of righteousness. He was a man that, who knew what it meant to say no to enticements of the flesh, to deny himself, to deny his own evil nature, to bear the cross in conforming himself to God and not to the world. How many hundreds, how many thousands of times do you think Enoch, in those 300 years, tens of thousands of times, he had to say no to sin and yes to God's way. Now this ought to be our determination by God's grace and in dependence upon His Spirit. Now at times, of course, If we are determined to say no to everything that leads us away from God, people will judge us. People will regard us as killjoys because we're turning away from sin. But one who turns from sin is never a killjoy. You see, God wants us to kill sin before sin kills us. To turn from sin in order to continue in joy walking with God magnifies true joy. The only joy it kills is sinful, worldly joy. And that's our calling. God looks for us post-communion to walk with Him out of holy faith, holy obedience, and holiness itself. Well, perhaps you say, well, that must have been A little easier, though, for Enoch to do that, because after all, Enoch lived near the beginning of society. It's probably a better day than our own. Well, my friend, you're wrong. The Holy Spirit gives us in the Bible three aspects of the environment, the setting, in which Enoch walked with God. 
The first thing the Bible tells us is that it was an age of relatively little spiritual light, little special revelation that Enoch walked with God. It's true, of course. Enoch had Adam. He could talk to Adam. Adam uh, didn't die until 57 years before Enoch was translated. So Enoch had more than 300 years to talk with Adam. And he heard the basic truths revealed by God concerning creation, the time of innocency, the fall, the curse, the promise of redemption through the seed. He heard it from Adam's own mouth. The place of sacrifice and approaching to God. He heard about Cain and Abel. He heard about Seth and the special seed in which he was, which he was part of. So he did have those things, but he had no Bible. He didn't even have the five books of Moses, the Psalms, or the Gospels, or Paul's epistles. He had very sparse data of special revelation compared to the light we possess, compared to the realities of a manifested Savior, an outpoured Spirit, a completed Bible, and centuries of of godly men struggling with the truth of God in church history and hammering out doctrines that accurately grasp the teaching of Scripture, Enoch didn't have any of these things. He lived in an age of relatively little light, little spiritual light. Then too, the Holy Spirit tells us here that he lived in a society of increasing wickedness and moral degeneration. We heard that last week of the whole line of Cain, Enoch lived in that society, in the secularized, cultured society of Lamech. In fact, we hope to hear in a few weeks from the next chapter in Genesis 6 that just a few centuries after Enoch, God is so angry and so upset with mankind, He says in 6 verse 7, I will destroy man from whom I have created from off the face of the earth. Yes, there was a godly line, but it was a remnant. He was living in an age that Jesus would describe in Matthew 24 as an age in which lawlessness began to multiply. And yet he walked with God. And the third thing the Holy Spirit tells us is that Enoch not only walked with God when there was little spiritual light and when he was surrounded with godlessness, But he also walked with God in the midst of the ordinary domestic pressures and privileges, joys and sorrows of a busy family life. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but if you read Genesis 5, 22 through 24, his walking with God actually begins, doesn't it, with the birth of Methuselah. Look at it again. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years. He begat Methuselah when he was 65. So somehow, coinciding with Methuselah's birth, Enoch was converted. He was brought to repentance and to faith when he was 65 years old. And after that day, he begat sons and daughters, the Bible says. Probably had a large family. Most of the families were very large then. The time of procreation was much longer than today. He could well have had a dozen sons and a dozen daughters or even more. But we know he at least had two sons and two daughters because he begat sons and daughters. So he was a man who had a busy life. And it's in the midst of that busyness, those domestic pressures, 
the Bible says that he walked with God. So all our excuses about having it difficult to find it difficult to walk with God in the midst of a corrupt world, in the midst of a busy family, they all fall away, don't they? When we look at Enoch. Enoch encourages us to believe that it is possible to walk with God in the midst of a godless world, in the midst of a very busy family, with children who are all fallen sons and daughters of Adam. He walked with God. It's possible. Now, of course, Enoch didn't do this in his own strength. We know he did this by faith. God, had, God was going to translate him. It was the work of the Spirit in his soul. Yes, indeed. But you see, being born again by the Spirit of God, Enoch repented, he believed, and he took seriously his Christian life. He sought God earnestly, and God blessed those endeavors by that same Spirit. God welcomed him, as it were, into the path of his own travel. And God said, Enoch, I delight to walk with you. I delight to walk with you. To link arms with you, if you will. Until one day you are going to take the last step and we will change our path from earth into heaven. And I will walk with you forever in glory. What an amazing thing. Enoch walked with God. Do you walk with God? Or maybe you tremble and you say, even the phrase is far too much. Far too much for me to imagine. To walk with God in unbroken fellowship. Well, I read of John Newton who said that he never lost for one moment his full assurance of faith. Or I read of Theodore Abrakel who said he went for a prolonged period of his life with unbroken, an unbroken fellowship with God. I think of Daniel, who it seems from all accounts in Scripture, walked for decades with God. Or Noah, though he fell after a while into a sin. But I think of these men and I say, how is it possible? Sometimes, if you're like me, you... You're prone to think that it's not possible. You're prone to expect that your communion with God will be broken. It's too much. It's too good. But you see, these men, they couldn't live without God. They wanted daily communion with God. And there are examples on Scripture's pages to tell us that it is possible to have a growing, intimate, familiar, consistent, progressive life of communion with God. And sacred communion in the Lord's Supper is God's sign and seal that such a life is possible. And that God delights in that life. And wants to walk with His people in daily communion. So I ask you, communicant, you who came this morning, is it your earnest desire, your determined desire, to move away from everything that will hinder your walk with God and to serve Him by faith in habitual obedience. 
Is it your earnest prayer tonight? Oh God, that all my ways may please Thee, like Enoch's did. And that I may walk with Thee by faith. You see, every child of God, though we fail too many times, every saved sinner on earth has this longing, this inner longing to be a saint on earth in holiness. In anticipation of being a glorified saint in heaven. And that means, of course, my dear unconverted friend, that you first have to be a saved sinner before you can be a holy sinner. You need true faith. You need true repentance. You need to be born again. An old Scottish divine by the name of Alexander White wrote this. If you read about Enoch, you ought to begin tonight. And as long as you are left on the earth, a living walk with God as Enoch knew. Walk with God. Walk with Him into whose presence death never came and in whose whole kingdom no grave is ever dug. You have neglected God until tonight, but you are not yet dead. Your body is still warm. Your soul is still in this church this Sabbath night. You are not yet in hell. God has not yet in anger said, cut that cumberer down. But instead, He is waiting to be gracious to you. Thank you for listening to Doctrine for Life with Dr. Joel Beakey. If you were encouraged by this episode and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing and sharing with a friend. To enjoy more resources from the pen and pulpit of Dr. Beakey, please visit joelbeakey.org.